Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. The Gospel is taken from Mark chapter 10. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called to them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and his life given as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever watched a movie that has told a story from multiple different perspectives? Same story, but from multiple different perspectives. It's fascinating. It's always interesting because it's the same story, but it's not. One of my favorites, this goes back, I think, to 1998. This is not a, this is not a movie for children, sorry. Uh, it's called The Usual Suspects. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. 
well, I remember the first time watching this, blew my mind away. It's crazy. In this movie, there's some real famous uh, actors in here. Stephen Baldwin, uh, Kevin Pollack, Kevin Spacey, Benicio Del Toro, a very young Benicio Del Toro, by the way. Um, he looks like a kid in this. <laughs> um, and, and it's as a story that there's this um, heist that happens, but there's a, some twists and turns. And what really happens versus there's what's happening is one of the characters is being interviewed by uh, the police who's trying to solve this uh, the situation and there's some murders and all, you know, real wholesome stuff. Uh, and, uh, and the person who's being interviewed has a very different perspective. And so by the end of the movie, you're like, what actually happened? I have no idea what the truth is because we saw what happened and then we saw what this person's perspective on it and he was making stuff up, too. It's fascinating, fascinating. Again, not for kids, but <laughs> fascinating movie uh, that takes things from different perspectives. I think it's a great example because what we're dealing with in this gospel is something that throughout all of Scripture we come across. Scripture is not written from those on the side of power, from the victors from the empire. It's not told from that perspective. It's told from the story of those on the margins. It's one of the few long-lasting pieces of literature, if you just want to even consider that, that is told from the perspective of the underdog and those on the margins. Those who have lost so much. History is usually written by the, by the victors. That's the phrase. And they twist it and they turn it and to make it, you know, so that the victor looks great and wonderful. So we have debates about this in history classes across the country about what actually happened and what didn't and what are we allowed to talk about and all this type of stuff. Scripture, though, has been consistently from the perspective of the underdog and on the margins. This is why the Gospels, Jesus talks about it's good news for the poor. It's good news for the poor. How could it possibly be good news for the poor if it's coming from the perspective of the victor, from those with the power, from those in charge, from those in the center of society? Good news to the poor, the underclass, the outcast. It has to come from a different perspective. This is the third, this section right here is there's, a, there's a, a series of things that happens. And I talked about this in Bible study. That's why you should come to Bible study. Uh, three things happen, and this is the third time it happens. Over the last couple of chapters of Mark, the same thing happens three times. Jesus 
says what's going to happen to him. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to rise. The disciples, it just goes straight over their head, or they don't believe it, or they don't understand it. Peter is the first one who gets that. Remember, if you go back several weeks ago, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. But Peter doesn't really understand what he's talking about. And here, when you have James and John, who in this case are not getting it, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, let us sit, one on your right and the other on your left in your glory. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're talking about, James and John. You were with me at the transfiguration not so long ago, and you still don't get it. You think this is about conquering and about being in glory the way that the world does glory and greatness and all these other type of things. That's not what this is about. And Mark gives us a foreshadowing when Jesus says, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong for those for whom they have been prepared. It's a foreshadowing of the crucifixion. Who's at Jesus' left and right? Two criminals, insurrectionists, whatever, rebels, whatever you want to call them, are at his left and his right when he comes in his glory at the crucifixion, not sitting on a throne over, over the rest of the world and ruling in glory, but ruling in the sense of overcoming death and sin. That is what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus makes a prediction. The disciples don't get it. And the third part is, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean, what I'm talking about, because you're clearly not getting it. And so you have this story of Bartimaeus. Now, before I get into this, what's interesting is, I think this is the first place in the Gospel of Mark where someone who is healed is named. The rest of the time, there's a description of somebody, maybe what they had, a blind man, a man with a withered hand, the daughter of somebody, a woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. All of these people are people, but they're all associated with whatever it is that, that has been the challenge that they've had in their life. Here, we have Bartimaeus is named, which is always something of significance that you just like, ooh, what's going on here? There are two ways to define, there's actually three ways to define what Bartimaeus means. As you have here in scripture, it says, which means son of Timaeus. So it's son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus, because it's Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, is how the scripture lists it. That's kind of weird. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. So there's two ways to translate this. Son of an honored one and son of an unclean one. 
Both are valid definitions for the name Bartimaeus. Which is fascinating to me and raises questions. What's going on here? Well, Mark names this guy for a reason. And go back to this sequence. Jesus makes a prediction about what is going to happen to him. And the disciples either aren't interested or don't get it because they have a sense of what being in glory is about. And not to get down on the disciples, we're on the other end of this. We know the story. We know what happens. They don't. Yeah, Jesus has been telling them, but you know, Jesus speaks in parables. Maybe he's using hyperbole. I don't know. They don't know. They don't know what to do with what Jesus is talking about. A Messiah has never been associated with, I'm coming to specifically die. Messiahs have always been, I'm coming to overthrow those who have been oppressive. I'm coming to create an uprising. I'm coming to revolt against whatever empire it is we're dealing with. This is what they have in their mind. This is what the culture would understand. This is why Jesus has to keep repeating it and showing, what is this really about? Because when it comes to this and you have the only one who can't physically see still sees who Jesus is. The one who is unholy becomes honored. What the world thinks is holy and clean and great is unclean. And Jesus does what Jesus always does. Flips everything, not on its head, but right side up. The world has flipped things from the way that God has always intended on its head. And Jesus is right-siding everything. Jesus is right-siding. And so you have this man, this blind man who's sitting, he's begging. And this is where, this is the beautiful part as far as I'm concerned. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. A man on the margins, an outcast of society, one who's considered unclean, shouts and will not be silenced no matter what. And what happens, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Shh, you're unclean. You're not worthy. You don't belong. You don't have the right this, that, or the other thing. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. If that's not gospel right there, I don't know what is. The gospels, especially, are proclamation of good news to those on the outskirts of society, those who have been oppressed, those who are considered to have no value, to not be seen as having humanity. This is a man who refuses that and says, no, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. 
that's what I want to follow. That's who I want to follow. Because Jesus, what is Jesus really about? The whole gospel of Mark has been about, yes, there's healings, and there's bringing people back into community again. What has Jesus been doing? He's setting people free. He's setting people free from oppression. He's setting people free from brokenness. He's setting people free from evil, from systemic evil, from all sorts of things. He's setting people free. That's why this is good news. And so what does Jesus do? He stops and he says, call him to Bartimaeus. So all of a sudden, just because Jesus says this, they changed their tune. They were shouting at him, rebuking him. Rebuking means assertively saying, you need to be quiet because you're, you're disturbing the peace. You need to be quiet. How many people in our society have been told to be quiet because of who they are in any number of ways? We got a lot of folks who want people to be quiet because it upsets the status quo. Maybe the status quo isn't so great. And so all of a sudden, because Jesus says, call him, they call to the blind man, hey, by the way, I know we just said for you to be quiet and that you don't matter and that you don't belong, but cheer up. How quickly this turns. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling to you. This is why Bartimaeus isn't listening to the crowd. They don't have good news, and they're going to just switch as soon as, as soon as it's convenient. So he throws off his cloak, probably the only thing he owns. He throws it aside. Because even though that's the only thing he owns, probably, it's worthless compared to what he knows is possible. And that's healing from Jesus. It's being released from the way that he has been oppressed. It's not just the blindness that has been oppressing him. It's all of these folks, this community, this system that says, you don't matter. Be quiet. You're a beggar. And so we expect you to keep begging. Oof. He's being set free because he knows that the best is yet to come. He knows that this is what God is about a future of possibility and hope, a future where people are set free, a future where people are valued and seen as having the image of God, regardless of who they are. That's what the good news is about. And then Jesus, he, he comes to him, and Jesus asks the same question that he asks James and John. James and John, they say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man, Bartimaeus, comes, jumps to his feet, comes to Jesus and says, and, and Jesus asks him, what do, you want to do, what do you want me to do for you? Same phrase. James and John, hey, uh, let us sit at your right and your left when you come in your glory. Rabbi, I want to see. 
Jesus to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what you're asking. To Bartimaeus, Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. There's this contrast. Jesus makes a prediction of what's going to happen to him that ultimately ends in resurrection and hope. Often we get caught up in the, in the death and the, and the beatings and the horror. You can't get to resurrection until you go through death. But resurrection is the goal. It's, it's the focus of why Jesus is going to Jerusalem ultimately. He knows he has to go this way. But it's this hope. That's, what, that's what's ultimately there. It's a hope for a better future, a better way to live, a better way to be in relationship. James and John are stuck in the way of the world about glory. Bartimaeus, I want to be healed. I want healing. Shalom. I want to be at peace. I want to be in relationship. I don't want the glory stuff. Last thing I'll say before, before well, the, the thing that's interesting in here is when we take a look at, at all of this and you see and you hear things about today in our world. There's this whole debate about Christian nationalism, which is ultimately about, it's a form of tyranny. It's about trying to be in glory. It's about trying to impose. It's about greatness. And what does Jesus say? You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise over authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus makes a prediction. The disciples don't get it, and Jesus shows exactly what he's talking about. That's not just true 2,000 years ago. It's not just true of what the entirety of the scripture has been about for so long. In a way, the usual suspects of what gets talked about in society, the people who just constantly go to are saying the same things that have been said for so long. And Jesus gives a different perspective a very different perspective that offers hope, something that the world so desperately needs because the messages of the world don't offer hope, certainly not for everybody, but even a blind man could see what Jesus is about. He knew. He wanted to see, not just physically, he wanted to see the kingdom of God unfolding with all of its beauty, with all of its hope, with its possibility. I want to see, Bartimaeus says. What was unclean is now made whole 
and can see who Jesus is. I know that's what I want. I think that's what we all want. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at christharrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.